We are oppressed. We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. The United States is a mafia government. No one has done more damage and degradation and murder, rape, and robbery than Europeans. Yes. Therefore, in order to escape confrontation with their true criminal nature, they must accuse others of being criminals. What we call rejection. They must become upset with the criminality of other people. And black folk become those other people, you see. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours, it will be ours. Oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Because the Black Lives Matter movement emerged under a black president, black attorney general, and black homeland security, and they couldn't deliver, you see. So that when you talk about the masses of black people, the precious poor and working class black people, poor and working class brown, red, yellow, whatever color, they're the ones who are left out and they feel so thoroughly powerless, helpless, hopeless, then you get rebellion. And we've reached the point now, it's a choice between nonviolent revolution, and by revolution what I mean is the democratic sharing of power, resources, wealth, and respect. If we don't get that kind of sharing, you're going to get more violent explosions. We must confess that we are the possible. We are the miraculous, the true wonder of this world. That is when and only when we come to it. America's chickens coming home. Our common ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Janice Graham. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. 
our common ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. And good evening, indeed. I am listening for you, and thank you for being with us at our common ground tonight. Uh, For those of you who are trying very hard to get into our chat room, the address is blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. And at the beginning of this program, this broadcast tonight, I'm asking you to write it down because we want to talk to you. 347-838-9852. 347-838-9852. It's our call-in line. And tonight, I did say last week that Dr. Wilmer Leon was going to be joining us tonight, and I wish he were here because we're talking about something that's very urgent for, for you and your neighbors and your community and your children to understand. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we're going to be talking about four more years, black poor people in the wreckage. And indeed, there will be a wreckage. So I'm asking you to take your seeds, grab your beverage and your snacks. Uh, It's popcorn night tonight at Our Common Ground. Uh, And I do want to explain that it is my fault that Dr. Wilmer Leon is not with us tonight. Uh, We have been crossing wires and playing phone tag all week and uh, not been able to get together. I don't know uh, if you are new. You you would not know, but um, I generally have a discussion with each of my guests around my mission for an episode of Our Common Ground and the purpose that I think they can best serve in being our guest. And it has worked for me, and I think that it has also been a particularly major point of learning for me. Imagine for moments Dr. Naeem Akbar uh, and I for a couple of hours <laughs> on the phone um, each time he was a guest or Hakim Adabudi or um, Dr. Amos Wilson or Dr. Francis Chris Welsing or um, Dr. Tommy J. Curry uh, in the uh, nearest years. But we um, even... Uh, the minister, Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Um, and I try to have a discussion so that my audience and listeners uh, benefit from the intellectual, the analytical expertise of all of our guests. And uh, if you check out our archives, um, you can go and have the same lessons because there are lessons to be learned each time we come into the sanctuary of our common ground, looking at our common ground. 
what's in it, on it, under it, above it for us as a people, whether it be issues of pan-African affairs, whether it be issues of domestic and government affairs, it is a very special place, is a designation of our common ground. We are the inheritors of the promise and the spirit and the hope of a people who survived the most heinous form of slavery in world history. We survived, and this is our common ground. Tonight we want to talk about four more years and black poor people in the wreckage. And that means that we have to concentrate and focus really on the issue of poverty. So before we begin, I am asking the question, what would be the consequences of another Trump term? People and communities that we are part of the communities where there is a majority of the people in our community, a disproportionate number of people. And it's disproportionate because of the inequities, the social and economic and wage and job inequities that we have suffered since we have come to these shores. And I can talk from personal um, experience because in my lineage, in my ancestral lineage, uh, both of my grandfathers have a history. So we want to talk about poverty in the sense of how our people and communities depend on some of the meager benefits offered by their government by our government in a in a second trump term so we're going to focus on social security covid supplement programs for women and children and people in poverty affordable housing and protections that have been put in place but not necessarily enforced in regard to employment, health and community dis- disparities. And, you know, and one of the things I want to talk about, I really have to talk about this because it's really been uh, pressing me down like um, a, a knee on my neck all week, is the whole idea of what has happened and um, I've been in many discussions on Facebook and Twitter about it this week. What has happened to the support, the network of support programs in predominantly black communities across this country? And one of those things has to do with another thing, and that is who voted for Donald Trump. 
We also need to talk about climate crisis. What would happen in a second Trump term relative to existing disparities in climate, air, and water um, injustices that our community suffers from, which causes other kinds of health disparities. The access to health and health insurance and police reform. I, 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 I don't want to go into it, but I saw right before coming on the air um, a very disturbing um, video from um, by um, someone who posted it, and it's a video of a New York City police officer. Just evil, nasty aggression toward a young sister, and it really was very upsetting. But first, let's let's uh, set the tone. Um, the the pandemic is crippling the general American economy. And that is increasing a sharp increase in poverty to a level that could exceed that of the Great Recession and that may even um, reach a high for the half century. And I'm looking at some comparable data of research done at Columbia University. So the coming wave of hardship is surely going to widen racial disparities with poverty projected to rise twice as much among blacks as among whites. According to this research, poverty is also likely to rise disproportionately among children. And that's a special concern because brain science shows that early deprivation of nutrition and health care can leave lifelong scars. Children raised in poverty have worse adult health, earning, and higher incarceration rates. Jobs are vanishing. This is now. I am talking about now. So what is going to happen if a second term unleashes a second term Trump on America? We can talk about all the political, ideological differences that we have, and, and I'm going to share some with you. We can talk. But what we have to do, what we have to do is to ensure that what we have now is not lost. And I'm going to um, talk to you about, and I've been talking about it for a long time, um, around the issue of just housing. 
I will guarantee you that another term for Donald Trump will include a measurable decrease in the development of affordable housing units for people who require them in this country and HUD will begin to sell off more public housing units. They already have a RAD program. Ben Carson has already stopped most of the development of new affordable housing units in this country. There's a formula for it. And if the RAD program, which is, oh, God, don't ask me, it's Essentially, it is that a housing authority is allowed to designate so many units that need rehabilitation, that need work, to designate those units to be sold off from the property and a private developer comes in. Now, we all know that the Republican Party has, from the time of Reagan, strategically attempted to end publicly funded housing, to get it out of the government. So that's one area. The other area very specifically that really should be troubling to all of us is Trump's promise. He has promised that he will decrease, that he will disable Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. And we need to know what that means. And we need to begin to think practically We are not equipped, even if we had the political and community infrastructure. It is so easy for our nonprofit, the nonprofit industrial complex is just like the military industrial complex, just like the prison industrial complex. The people in charge are not concerned. They go along to get along. And if you will notice who gets, and you really should have this information. I mean, if you really want to be able to be effective community activists, you must have this information. What federal dollars are flowing into what nonprofit organizations and who are the people on those boards that make the decisions about how those dollars. I have been saying it on this air for 20 years. We have allowed the why. You know, when I was growing up, I went to a segregated why. All the people who were um, – in charge of making decisions about how the money was spent at the Y and what programs that you had uh, were black members of my community. 
And that is the kind of thing that I've been talking about we need to reclaim because we have the nonprofit industrial complex touting the why, the Boys Girls I mean, the Boys Girl Club in this new place where I live in this um, in this place um, that um, is run by um, fueled and operated by a system of white supremacy, and that's probably every place that we all live. But the 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 why is the the voice people, you know, Betsy DeVoe. <laughs> Their name is on the front of the why, so they own it. So I think we have to think about, and we really have to give some urgent, some some urgent thought to, as we go into this election. We have to give some thought to. We know it's going to be a train wreck. And we have to look at who's going to be under the wreckage, who's going to be under the wreckage. So let me share this um, clip because I think that there are very few of you who don't know, who don't collect, who don't um, um, give your money to, um, you're not participating in the social security system. And in four in in the new four years, if if Donald Trump is elected, then this he is going to fulfill some promises. And he's going to fulfill those promises. The first thing he, that he's going to do is he's going to try. He's going to try And you have to think about your Social Security account as a savings account. You've been contributing every quarter. Every time you get paid, you pay a Social Security tax. That's your money. And people have been ringing the bell and ringing the bell for years and years, long before I was eligible for Social Security benefits, uh, to collect Social Security benefits, about doing something to protect the Social Security Administration system. And Bernie Sanders, who is no longer a candidate for President of the United States, was talking about it a long time ago. Take a listen, and we'll talk about it on the other side. When Donald Trump campaigns in Nevada and all over this country, he talked about being a different type of Republican, a friend of working families. And I will be your champion. I am your voice. On May 7, 2015, in a tweet, Trump said, and I quote, I was the first and only potential GOP candidate to state there will be no cuts to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, end of quote. You remember he said, I am not going to cut Medicare and Medicaid 
or Social Security. I'm not going to cut Social Security like every other Republican, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to cut Medicare or Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Every other Republican's going to cut. Every Republican wants to do a big number on Social Security. They want to do it on Medicare. They want to do it on Medicaid. Save Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security without cuts. Have to do it. Well, I know I will shock all of you to tell you that Donald Trump lied. And that's uh, really how I won the election in the first place. Donald Trump told the American people he was not going to cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. I am going to protect and save your Social Security and your Medicare. We'll be defending your Social Security, which the Democrats will destroy. Fast forward to the budget that Trump introduced just last week. That budget calls for a cut of one and a half trillion dollars in Medicaid, $845 billion in cuts to Medicare, and $25 billion in cuts to Social Security. And you know what a $845 billion cut to Medicare means? It means for those seniors who are struggling with health care today, it's only going to be worse. You can't get rid of Medicare. You know, Medicare is a program that works. You don't get rid of Medicare. You can't do that. People love Medicare, and it's unfair to them. During the campaign, Donald Trump said, as you'll all remember, that he was going to provide health insurance for everybody with much lower deductibles. You have to take care of people. Well, guess what? He lied again. The budget that he just presented would end the Affordable Care Act, throw 32 million people off of the health insurance they have. Trump's budget is a budget which will make it harder for our kids to get a decent education, for our young people to go to college, harder for working families to get the health care they need, harder to protect the air we breathe and the water that we drink. Every day I wake up determined to deliver a better life for the people all across this nation that have been ignored, neglected, and abandoned. Trump's budget is basically about the Robin Hood principle in reverse. It takes from the poor and working people and gives more tax breaks to the rich and large corporations. We're going to do things that I said we were going to do. And those were the promises that Donald Trump made during the 2015 campaign. It is quite the opposite of what he is campaigning for, with, on, for for the 2020 election. If he is given a second term, he will fulfill his promises. And basically because he's a liar and he has a disdain for this country. So... My question is, are we willing to allow black people who will get caught in the train moving across America looking for a wreck? That is my question. Jobs are vanishing at a startlingly 
22 million in the last four weeks. There's an uncertainty about how high unemployment will go or how soon it will drop, but its potential to leave a wake of impoverishment. And a second term will give him no filter, no breaks. He believes that black people are destined to be poor and never having economic survival. A family of four renting a home in Phoenix, a city with typical living costs, is considered poor if its income is or below $28,000. And the federal government's estimate of what it takes to secure minimally adequate food, clothing, and shelter. And we know at the lower edge of 28, at, at below the edge of $28,000, who's there? Our number is 347-838-9852. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and we're talking about a very urgent kind of thinking that we have to begin to do because until you think it through, you know, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking about I've never needed WIC. That makes me a blessed black woman. And many people who don't need WIC don't think about what it would be like to either have your WIC benefits for your children to be cut in half or to go away. Because the strategy is going to be on programs like this, they're going to raise the um, the ceiling, I'm, I'm sorry, they're going to lower the ceiling and they're going to cut the quality of the, the quantity of the benefit. That's what they're going to do. They're going to do the same thing in housing. They're going to lower the eligibility income and they're going to raise how that rent is calculated. Right now, that has already begun under a Ben Carson administration. Um, it is one of the reasons that I had to look for the North Star. <laughs> I really did have to look for the North Star. Because what they're doing, with, and if you combine with in communities, especially in traditional black communities, if you combine the gent gentrification, which raises the value of the property. HUD changed the formula using the market rate to calculate Section 8 benefits. That has happened in three years. Um, So we have to begin to think about that. And I'm going to start taking calls, and please don't change the conversation. The conversation is about poor black people, not people with with, with jobs. 
poor black people who can't afford to pay for the the tutoring programs for their disabled children, for daycare, uh, they're barely making it to have groceries. These are working people. And then we can move to the next caste, C-A-S-T-E, of people, and those are the people who don't have jobs, who are facing eviction, because the Trump administration decided, as opposed to every other country in the world who was hit by the pandemic, that somehow a family could live on $1,200 supplement a month with $400 in unemployment. Our number is 347-838-9852. I don't want to talk about the parties. I don't give a damn about the parties. Uh, And we're going to talk about that in 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 the second hour, about the kind of practical um, scrubbing up, holding on, that is going to have to happen no matter what. We can scream to the rooftops about political ideology. We can scream to the rooftops about, um, you know, people have been writing to me and, and signaling to me, well, it's not going to be any different. Well, it's not going to make much difference. Well, to black poor people, Everything counts. Everything counts. 646, I'm coming to you. Thank you for giving us a call and staying on topic and not making a speech. (laughs) First of all, happy birthday to um, M1, man. I'm glad um, you said that, Jay, because I forgot Wednesday night to wish him a happy birthday, but my... Number one Grand Prince had his 19th birthday on yesterday, and all the love and all the celebration, he has earned every bit of it, and I am so proud of him. Thank you, Jay. Oh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't wish you one on, on Facebook. They blocked me, so I said I, I had to call in and wish the good young brother uh, a happy birthday and keep up with that stock market. You know, because that's um, going to be the thing to hopefully keep him out of poverty, even though I don't have to worry about him ever being in poverty. But the thing is, well, you know, he BJ. started a club. He started a club. Um, oh, he started a club among the family of the guys that he plays basketball with on the weekend, uh, their parents and all of the, their friend, uh, her, their his mother and father's friends. And he's trading for them. Hey, man, you know, M1 is going to always be a superstar, man. So, um, you know, the thing is, we don't. Nah, he's, he's, nah, don't, don't worry about him, man. He's, 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 um, he's like the Robert Smith type. You know, they, they just have the benefit of having a good family, being educated, 
being able to have the discipline of reading, writing, and things of that nature, and then you just yeah. take it to the next level. So, I mean, yeah. never, never worry about him at all because he'll be one of those individuals that will always shine. Um, the only thing you have to worry about him is if he gets the ability and the foresight to don't always have to think that he got to make his bones here that he will look forward bound and homeward bound and someplace else other than America. But listen, the point I wanted to get to is this, BJ. All of these things that you're talking about is in regards to poverty. Now, I can say this. I'm a landlord, so, you know, I have an understanding of how the game is played. And um, the one thing I will say is that people who are on Section 8 now that are caught up in the pandemic and that can't pay their portion of the rent, Section 8 is covering it for them. I got to give them credit. I got to give them credit for that. Now, I don't know if that's in every state. But I know where I mean they they taking mm-hmm. care of it. So no, that's, that's not any, in any state. That's um, you're in Georgia, right? Well, I'm in New York. I'm I'm sorry, in New York. That's in New York. Uh, that is happening in Massachusetts, I know, and it's happening in New Hampshire. But what the and and here is how it's happening: that the states have jumped in and and use some of their HUD funding and reconfigured uh, based on forbearance of rent, um, reconfigured uh, the individual uh, Section 8 uh, person's um, um, amount. Yeah, benefit. So, um, but it's not happening in any states, and, and that is why... I mean, people who live in public housing, they're pretty much covered uh, because HUD is covering, um, uh, does have a forbearance program. But the problem is that HUD only, the HUD forbearance program in public housing is only for people who are working, but not for people who are not working. And, and there's no safety net. Uh, but I think that landlords across the country, if we were if we were doing right, uh, should have had some security in regard to a safety net because it well, does cost I, to provide housing. Well, I, all I know is this: that as far as rent stabilization goes in New York City. If the occupancy rate goes over five percent, there's gonna be some sort of adjustment in play that's gonna change some of the rules. But from what I what I heard is the legislators are trying to prevent that from happening because what's happening in New York is um a lot of people are not able to pay the rent, a lot of people are moving, a lot of apartments are becoming um, unoccupied and things of that nature. The only reason I don't got caught up in the situation and is blessed is because I don't rent to nobody that's not Section 8. So I, 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 I'm not having those type of problems. 
But I can tell you this, I'm looking to purchase some more buildings. But what I really wanted to say is this. I've been looking at this whole narrative going on in regards to poverty. And I must honestly say, man, to me, the person with the best narratives in regards to poverty is the person that people are not really listening to. Some people are. But to me, he could be the facilitator of many, many things, the Reverend William Barber. William I mean, Barber. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, if, 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 if the Democrats listen to William Barber, they would have no problems whatsoever as far as I'm concerned, winning this election. They would run away well, with it. Well, you know, but, he, but here, here's, the thing. here's the thing. This is why um, November 3rd is so very important, and I'm sure that all of you um, uh, heard uh, the news uh, yesterday, last night. Well, I got it yesterday afternoon that there is an audio where Donald Trump held a meeting uh, three days before his inauguration with Martin Luther King III and Andrew Young and some other people. Um, And he bragged about how he won because black people didn't show up to vote. Okay. And and, and that, that is not partisan. That is something else. It has nothing to do with the Republican Party. It has to do with, you see, because Donald Trump is not running politics from the Republican Party. He's running Donald Trump's brand party. It's the Donald Trump party. Um, So it's so important to have... um, People like uh, Reverend Barber, and I've been a member of his um, Monday Monday Majority um, and contributing to that for many years now since he started it because I was was hoping that uh, there would be a moral majority um, like that in most cities. But you know who stopped that, and I'm not going to talk about. Yeah, but uh, BJ, but BJ, the thing is this: the plan that William Barber has deals with everything that you just said about Trump and all of that. The key thing to get this clown out of office, and the Democrats are going to blow it. So I'm going on record now saying that he'll win, is the galvanization of poor people. And William Barber has the plan on how to galvanize poor people in the places that is necessary to be able to win through the electoral college. Now, I mean, take a minute, and all those out here who are listening, to look at Bill Maher's yesterday program with William Barber on it and listen to how he articulates how you go about galvanizing poor people, white and black, 
and how it would work. And unfortunately, black poor people, if Trump get back in the office, will suffer like they never have suffered before. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. At that time, all, 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 all gloves are off. You see, BJ, even though Trump is is bad, for me the most evil out of all of them is Mitch McConnell. He's the one who had me to be cut off because he's really the facilitator of all of this. He's the one that allows for all of the things that are going to come into play happen. And, and And let me tell you, Black people are going to suffer like no other. But the thing is, when black people suffer, everybody else suffers. So don't think that just because black people suffer, that white folks ain't going to suffer. Because when you put things in the context, white people are doing worse now than they ever have. It's just they have to protect whiteness. So we're about black people act and go along with a perpetual liar. Now, let me yeah, leave you that's... with this. No, let me let me leave you with this. The thing is this. Now, you remember when Donald Trump came into office and he was campaigning, what the narratives was, I'm going to build a wall, and Mexico going to pay for it. I'm alive. I'm going to be in the Oval Office, working for the people, I'm not going to be able to golf like Obama and all of that. That's a more blatant lie. So the reality is the narrative to show that Trump is the type of liar that he is, the media is not putting it forward to deal with and address it. Now, you notice what happened last week, I think it was, when the guy from the Huffington Post Asked him about all of his lies. What did he do? He didn't even become combative or anything. He just ignored them and went on to the next question. Now, the thing is, if journalism was being done right and properly and the media was really handling their business, the next question would have been a follow-up on that question. That's what it happened back in the day. But The point of the matter is this. The media better get on the ball, but they're not going to get on the ball, like I said from the beginning. The Morning Joes and the rest of them are the reason why this clown is in office, because they capitulated to the fool in the beginning, thinking that they was going to be part of the White House and all of the other shenanigans that are going on. And when he flipped the script on them, by that time, he had already got into the minds of the ignorant and the foolish to the point to where is now BJ. I think he got him under a damn spell. I really do, BJ. I think he got him under a spell to where these white folks don't even see that they're being manipulated, played, used, and abused, and it's bad, BJ. But listen, our folks, but they're what did what thinking did, about what they gonna do when he get back in the office for the next for the next four years? Because yeah. it's gonna get bad. Yeah, it's gonna be real bad, and that's why 
We're talking about black poor people in the records tonight. Thank you, Jay, for your call. Um, you, Thank you. You confuse people when you call me BJ. Wow, what they call you, Jim? This is our common ground with Janice Graham, oh, okay. yes. <laughs> You've okay, been calling okay, the okay. show a hundred years. <laughs> Oh, well, you, you I will know, pass I, on I, your. I love you as BJ. You know what I mean. <laughs> I, I think about you as BJ. You know, but I, I just have to start calling you Janice or or Miss Grant or, or uh, calling Grant. One one day I'm going to talk about all this name um, confusion that goes on with me, but I will pass on your uh, wish, well wishes to to and and compliments to. My oh, he's his son. Hey, Nikki, DJ, um, Janice, your grandson is a star, your granddaughter's a star, and think about this. M2 is going to surpass both of them, so you know how dangerous that's going to be. Because they're going to teach them all the tricks and the trade, and every time I see you post about M2, all I do is see, see good things. But you know, it's yeah. only because of one thing, Janice. You know that it's all because of you and their mother and father. You know what I mean? In that base. You know, if more families had that base, you know what I mean? We wouldn't have the type of poverty and the things that we got going on, man. Yeah. Because, you know, I always talk about, you know, your grandson to people and, and say, this is an example of one of those brainiacs that at least know his history and got a pretty good idea of his culture because his grandmother tell him the right books to read and he got the common sense to read them and he has the ability to comprehend them. So they they all three stars, man. So I'm I'm I know you blessed and um listen, stop making so much bread. Put me for the old <laughs> Thanks, Jay. I, I I put the brakes on the bread a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Thanks, Jay, and you uh, stay safe, and I'm staying safe, and I hope all of you are staying safe. I'm staying safe because I want to see all of those things with my own eyes. I don't want people arriving and saying, oh, yeah, your grandchildren are doing great. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Uh, don't forget the Alpha Show on Wednesday night, 10 p.m. at TruthWorks Network. And that was Jay from New York, and he's absolutely right. Jay brought up a, a very good point, and one of the things that we have to do is, you know, I don't let people talk to me about they. You know, the first thing I say is, who the hell is they? They who? What black people are we talking about? Well, tonight I'm talking about poor black people, not black people who can walk in the Targets or, uh, as my friend Lucy says, Wally World, and get the things that they need. They can go to the school and explain to the teacher and the principal, and, and they can go down to the prison and advocate for their loved ones, they can go to the hospital and the doctor and advocate. I'm talking about people who have not been privileged to be on the Internet to listen to Our Common Ground. 
because about this time of day on a Saturday, they're either dead into their second or third job or dead tired and mulling over, which is why we have to have activists. We have to have activists that are in tune. We're glad to see Loga Michelle in the chat room. Uh, and here we go. Pianchi just showed up, and hard worker is there. I don't know where uh, Georgia is. She's usually in the front row, but she's not there. So one of the things that we have to be real clear about is not talking about they. When we talk about they, who are we talking about? So I'm talking about people who have to depend on the rest of us to advocate for them. People who don't know how government works. People who register to vote and they get to the voting uh, poll station and somebody says, well, this is not the same address on your registration, and, 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 and they're trying to figure it out. I'm talking about people who we need to be constantly reaching out to. If you live near a housing development, reach out to the Tenants Association, the Tenant Council, and say, I'd like to come in and talk about what's happening for uh, election 22. When we decide that we want to criticize the two-party system, criticize it in the context of consequences. If we do this, this will happen. And tonight, if we do that, this will happen. Because their elections have consequences. And I will guarantee you, as a person who spent more than 20 years in the federal government, I spent more than 20 years in the federal government, two of them in the White House, I will guarantee you that a second Trump term is going to be an America that you can't fix. You can't and Joe um, and Jay is absolutely right. There's some vile, corrupt criminals who are complicit traitors to the people of this country, not just to black people. Because what did Malcolm tell us? When America gets a cold, we get the flu. And I'm looking at this train coming down the track, and when it hits, when it hits that spot, it's be a wreck. I have been spending my week because I, I, I really didn't want to hear all the speeches and the goings-on. I've been to one Democratic convention. That was enough for me. I've been to one Republican convention. That was enough for me because party politics is not my politics. 
and I'm sure that all of you who have been with me since 1985, you know what I mean when I say that. I'm an outlier. I act and activate as an outlier. When I met with a group of people in Massachusetts and they started talking about who are we going to run for the U.S. representative, I said we needed an outlier. And who did we work for? Who did we get in there? We got U.S. Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, who is an outlier. And unless we learn in our politics how to work with outliers like she and others on the squad, did you notice that nobody on the squad accepted the Democratic Party platform. And that's because in the back, they are working from the state up. They're walking up, uh, I would say, a 40-floor steps, 40-floor building, and they're walking up the steps to get to the top. And that takes a lot of time, and it's a lot of grunt work. It's a lot of not wheel uh, people, outliers don't wheel and deal. They put it on the table. You take it or you don't take it. They come back and put something else on the table, and they get to choose. So uh, it, it, it's a... We can't abandon two poor people in this process. And Jay is right on another thing. Reverend Bobber understands poverty. He has seen it with his own eyes. I don't know if he's lived it. I don't know enough about him, about him to say he's lived it or not lived it. Um I probably watched him for a whole year um, to see where he was really coming from because I had become quite disheartened and abandoned the hope that one part of our community strength would be our houses of, uh, would be our churches, a house of worship, a house of community building. And uh, as Ruby Sales would, would admonish us, that's how it used to be. That is exactly how it used to be. We're going to take a break and we'll take your calls. I really want to talk to you about this because I want to know if you see the train wreck that I see coming. Our number is 347 no. Yeah, three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. I'm Janice Graham and we'll be right back on the other side. We're gonna talk about practicality. Write it down. Practicality. Because I'm mighty afraid that a train wreck is coming for us. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. 
Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Every 10 years, the census comes along, and it seems like everyone I know always asks the same two questions. What is the census, and why does it even matter? Let me give it to you straight. The census counts every single person living in America. An accurate count of our community tells us where there are more people, and where there are more people, there are more needs. Our participation could impact how public funding flows to our schools, health clinics, senior care, job training, and housing. It even determines our congressional representation. I don't know about you, but it sure sounds like the census matters to me. This year, take a little time for the 2020 census. You can complete it online, by phone, or by mail, and make sure you count everybody you live with. Your mama, daddy, sweetheart, babies, roommates, everyone. This chance only comes every 10 years, so let's step up and be counted. Shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists, but we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're 7th in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, 3rd in median household income, number 4 in labor force, and number 4 in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What we see before our eyes, the sky is green and the grass is blue. But one thing you can't deny, these people are, these people are sabotaging this country. Alpha on TruthWorks Network, the best of political pushback. Go for it, Alpha. Da, 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 
The Alpha Show. You can't trust this president to do the right thing, not for one minute, not for one election, not for the sake of our country. You just can't. He will not change, and you know it. History will not be kind to Donald Trump. I think we all know that. Not because it will be written by never Trumpers, but because whenever we have departed from the values of our nation, we have come to regret it. And that regret is written all over the pages of our history. If you find that the House has proved its case and still vote to acquit, your name will be tied to his with a cord of steel and for all of history. He has betrayed our national security. He has compromised our elections, and he will do so again. You will not change him. You cannot constrain him. Truth matters little to him. What's right matters even less. And decency matters not at all. This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852. My apologies for uh, messing up with having Dr. Wilma Leon with us tonight. He he um, is um, <laughs> making me, <laughs> he's forcing me. He told me I better make apologies because I messed up. The other thing I want to talk to you about is um, a new season of the Alpha Show on TruthWorks Network. For those of you who are new to Our Common Ground, TruthWorks is our network for collaborative voices. Uh, Alpha will begin his new season coming this Wednesday, and he will be on TruthWorks Network every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. And if you don't know, you better know. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals. Our banks destroy the economy. The inability to defend on all of these fronts, be it voter suppression. And it, you, you can go down the line. You can go down the line. The Wizard of Oz is 70 years old. Today, if Dorothy were to encounter men with no brains, no heart, and no balls, she wouldn't be in Oz. She'd be in Congress. <laughs> Advanced Urban Progressive Political Talk Radio. <laughs> Back and your Wednesdays just got served. The Alpha Show on TruthWorks Network premiering August 25th. Alpha's back and ready for the struggle. It's on. The Alpha Show, August 26th. Your Wednesdays, Alpha serving hot grips with politics. Wednesdays, 10 p.m. The Alpha Show, TruthWorks Network, 10 p.m. Hosting the best of pushback talk radio. And I sure hope you'll join Alpha on Wednesday night on TruthWorks Network at 10 p.m. You know, when Jay called in, one of the things that um, occurred to me as he was talking is that sometimes we have to be – black people have always had to use 
common sense. And that's what I love about the Alpha show. He comes with the no-nonsense common sense. And we get involved in all this intellectual twisting and misadventures and great adventures. We want to talk about Marxism and we want to talk about socialism. Poor black people ain't got time for that. Poor black people are trying to survive. And my question to you tonight is, are you trying to help poor black people? Poor black people. I'm not talking about the guy across the street who um, uh, got a car, got a house, the mortgage the mortgage payment has been made, the car payment has been made, there's groceries coming into the house, even though he's having or she's having or they are having a hard time. We have got to put our brains together and, and understand that there are black people who don't live in Cleveland, who don't live in Chicago, who don't live in San Francisco or Los Angeles or San Antonio or Atlanta or Greensboro or Asheville or um, major cities. There are black people who live in the Mississippi Delta. There are black people who live in Lake Charles. There are black, Louisiana, there are black people who live in the rural parts of that huge state called Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, Iowa, South Carolina, in rural areas who depend upon just trying to make it. And on Friday night or Sunday morning, they're just celebrating, just trying to make it. We have people. Let look, and you know, for the older, for people who've been with us for a long time, just give me, indulge me for a minute, because you've been hearing this over and over for years and years and years. Do not forget that it was well into the 1970s, 71, 72, 73, when most people, black people in the South, were informed that there were government benefits available to them. For all of the country who had done domestic work, who had done agricultural work, who had done work, with employers where the employers, because they were black, never contributed or took a dime to put into Social Security accounts for them. Those people are now 80 years old. If they lose the $600 a month that they are living on, imagine for a moment, I worked in the in the printing uh, in the printing department in college in the basement in the printing department and made more than six hundred dollars a month and that was in the nineteen sixties. Imagine that. Imagine for a moment there was no social security account in your name and you're eighty years old. I mean, 
I'm thinking about going back to work. Who the hell's going to hire me at my age? And I'm young. And pretty. <laughs> Jay, I know you got that. Alpha, I know you picked that up. So these are the people that we have to think about when we organize, when we agitate. It is what is going to happen on November 3rd is not just about you. And you couldn't pay me with what I know, what I've seen in the last three and a half years. You couldn't pay me not to vote on November 3rd. If I had to, you know, me and mine, we'd have these masks that you put the coffee uh filters in and we've got the face shields because these mofos down here in South Florida, I don't trust them. If you go to a gas station that somebody come up on you because you got on a mask and spit on you. Those things are happening all over this country because who the president is, who are his complicit traitors. So we've got to think about being practical. Um, since I've been on the air, I've been back and forth on uh, text with Nina Turner. I'm trying to bring her her on. <coughs> and she's been a, a excuse me, and she's been a guest on the show many, many times. She's one of the smartest political strategists in this country. She's never been elected to anything, but she has been the the um, majority leader of the Ohio Senate because she works it. And she's one of the most practical. We've got to stop with the win at any cost on my idea. There's no such thing. Elections have consequences. Our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. You know what I did during the Democratic National Convention because um, it wasn't that I wasn't curious. It's because a convention is not real until you get down to the brass tacks of the agenda of the platform that. Uh, the presidential nominee and the vice president have, and their campaign uh, task forces have developed, there's really nothing to talk about. And I hope all of you are sending, after this broadcast tonight, will send a message to whatever people you think you need to send it to. I've already sent my letter to... To Joe Biden, uh, I've sent my letter to Kamala Harris. I've sent my letter to Stacey Adams. I've sent my letter to who else did I send a letter to? Oh, Julian, my old boss, Julian Castro. I I worked for him for for a while, and he understands that I'm an outlier. All my bosses have. I mean, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before. I've worked for as executive management for major Fortune 
500 companies. And this is a message that I give to each one of my bosses when they offer me the job. I am aware that just like I got this one, I can get another one. So you must be honest and upfront with me, and I will be honest and upfront with you, and we're not going to run shadow agendas going on. And when it is no longer for us to be have that kind of relationship, let's have a come-to-Jesus meeting. And I will go find the other one that I will get. Um, and, I, and, and the people we're talking about, they don't have that kind of protection. They don't have a world-class education as a privilege. They don't have a job and information that you have as a privilege. I mean, last week I was on yeah, last week I was on suspension, and now I'm off suspension. And I listened very intently to uh, Dr. James Taylor last week, and. I don't get how I don't care how passionate and how much preaching he does, but you will never get that kind of black history connecting the dots with the all the citations and the references and almost damn near the page number anywhere else. So I'm going to get back to my point. So what I did last week, I began to revisit a Netflix series called uh, House of Cards. Because I think that for my entire lifetime, I have lived in a government and political system that is simply a house of cards. One of the companies that I work for, um, two years before it fell, when talking to members of the board, my admonishment was a house of cards cannot stand long. But anyway, so I'm I'm going back. And Frank Underwood is a major character. I don't know the name of the man that plays it, but he does a very good job. Stacy somebody. And um, if you really want to see a better script, a more honest script of what has happened in the last six years, coming from our White House. Just go back and watch, well, if you haven't, watch House of Cards. So 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 let's talk. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two about practicality. Um with my good friend the three bone lady. Backbone you're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Does practical mean that 
the 89 or so million people who are uninsured or underinsured in this country continue to suffer? Does being practical mean that we don't take steps in this country to deal with climate chaos and bring world leaders to bear? Does being practical mean that we continue to prop up a legal system that is unjust in every stretch of the imagination, that bears its weight down on black men and black women, and then by extension, if you are Hispanic or indigenous or poor? Does being practical mean that we don't say to the American people that you deserve better than what you are getting? That's not the kind of practicality we want. Does practical mean that you you hold fundraisers and wine caves with Swarovski crystals with billionaires who want to control this system. Does practical mean we continue to go with the status quo while 500,000 people sleep on the streets at night? That's not practicality. So with all due respect to Mr. Carver, what the American people in this country need, they need somebody that is unabashed and that has the courage and the conviction to stand up for them and to call out the rigging of this system. And that candidate is Senator Bernie Sanders. But steps and a revolution are two different things. In order to get to a revolution, you've got to take steps. And what James Carville is saying is you've got to get to a practical place to make those changes. The elites in 1930 said the same thing about FDR. And he said, I welcome your hatred. These are the same people that if the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was still alive, when he stood up before he was gunned down and he said to this country, he said the evils of this country, militarism, materialism, poverty, and racism. Those are those same people. So now if President FDR had listened to those people, or if the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King had listened to those people, we would not progress as a nation. So every generation, we got the naysayers, baby. But what the folks of this country need, they need, they need somebody that's going to stand up for them. Senator Sanders is known as the amendment King, he knows how to get things done, but what this, what people need is to be able to call upon somebody that's not going to capitulate. Senator Sanders supporters, what is their number one goal? You know, that same argument was made in 2016. And a lot of those people didn't vote for However, though, Stephanie, more of Senator Sanders supporters supported Secretary Hillary Clinton than her supporters supported then Senator Barack Obama. So let's, let's, let's set the record straight. People do want to defeat uh, President Donald Trump, but they also want to know that they're going to have a fighter in the White House that's going to take it all the way, that's going to go ham on this system that has oppressed them. And so I reject, and so do the American people, the whole notion that you cannot say to a system that it must change and also push a dream and a vision that is bigger than what we have right now. Who wants somebody that's saying to the workaday people of this nation, I'm going to run for office, but you're only going to get more of the same? That doesn't work. And now back to Our Common Ground. And it's very hard. My, my friend Nina Turner makes it very hard. But we're on the other end of that. We're on the other end of that. We've got a caller at 773. We've got to be practical. Practicality for us as black people has to be a continuum. That Just like Dr. Taylor said last week, it's not linear. This is a continuum. 
Alpha, I know it's you because I know your telephone number, and I'm going to call the IRS and tell them. <laughs> hey, brother, I respect you. Thank you for your call. Good evening, Janet. Um, let me say this. First, I'm, I'm going to start out with my comment on poor people. I, I'm one of the poor people. And just because I'm poor, I didn't let poverty stop me from learning the politics and paying attention to the politics. And I know enough to know that the slight education that they gave me about the history of this country and what they wanted me to know and wanted me to learn I'm not, I'm blind to that because I know better. But I'll say this and I'll say it because this is how I feel. The poor people that are being left behind, that have nowhere else to go, it turns into a situation where you got to get up and fight. However many kids you have, whatever it, it takes, You have to get up and fight. You have to do it. And you have to vote and do your due diligence and try to change your situation. The thing about practicality and your Nina Turner, I liked Nina Turner all the way up till about three weeks ago when I heard her say she's not going to vote for Bernie uh, for uh, Joe Biden, and uh, she didn't say who she was going to vote for, but she was steadfast. She she had her arms folded, and she was pouting like a three-year-old, and she's not going to vote for uh, Biden. And I'm saying to myself, well, isn't it practical to see the devastation that another four years of Trump would cause, but she's willing to take that practicality. Just like uh, Susan Sarandon was willing to take Trump being president for four years. Trump in four years has put us on the brink. And for people who don't understand, this isn't all Donald Trump. He is being coached and guided by Vladimir Putin. Former Russian KGB who's just poisoned his fourth or fifth this, uh, detractor, who, who's basically uh, an authoritarian, but Donald Trump welcomes him. I'm telling you, he is knocking on the door to destroy this country. And there's nothing that will be able to stop him with his corrupt attorney general his corrupt cabinet, his corrupt secretary of state, all of them are corrupt. All of them, once Trump leaves office, will be prosecuted. And I don't say that lightly. Just like I mentioned to you, that they're going to get Trump on the RICO Act. And and Brother Jay was, uh, no, 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 no. He was naysaying it. They will get Trump on the RICO Act and tax evasion. 
That's what's on paper. That's what he can't deny. Just like uh, what's the boy that just arrested Friday? Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. His a senior advisor. Like, his case is like manifest. It's a paper case. It's all on paper. You aren't going to explain, dummy offshore company. You aren't going to explain the theft of millions of donated dollars. You're, you're guilty of wire fraud, tax evasion. And, I mean, but... Yeah, but, but, but Alpha, let me stop you for a minute. We have some scary kinds of schools of thought. Um, you know, like Nina Turner, who who has always been, as far as I'm concerned, uh, a very, very smart strategist. What, what, and then we've got some dumb. other people some other people saying that the Democrats and the Republicans and I've always said this, Democrats Twiddly D, Republicans, twiddly dumb. But you're pointing out and underscoring what I said earlier in the first hour of the show, is that we're not dealing with the Republican Party right now. We're dealing with the Trump Party. And that's a whole, uh, the, the Republican Party is dead. But the Trump Party lives. And we have got to be able to demonstrate, to articulate, to infuse people who don't pay attention what the consequences can be. And and what I'm saying tonight is that it's going to be black people under the wreckage. Well, it's going to be black people under the wreckage. Regardless, but how many black people? Whether Donald Trump wins or loses, it's going to be black people under the record. I have no problem. Donald Trump will not win a second term. He will not. I don't care what Vladimir Putin uh, coaches him at. I don't care what... uh, well, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't win the first term. He didn't win the first time. That's my point. Everybody expected Hillary to win, but there were like quirks and there were like. Uh, I'm well, sure why are you saying he's going to win this time? He's going to steal I'm this saying, time. He stole last time. He stole last time. And this is why he won't steal this time. He has uh, inflamed so many people, and they are more determined to go out and vote. The uh, Obama coalition, they are more determined to get out and vote. Hillary Clinton won by 3 million votes. Joe Biden will win by 6 million or more. You didn't pay attention to the 2018 election, midterm, where interest is supposed to be low and nothing happened, and they took the House back with a record number of uh, 
wins and a record. Look at the states that they turned. Look at the governorships that they turned. This blue wave is turning into a blue tsunami. Donald Trump will not win a second term. Donald Trump but will The be question is, excited. will he steal a second term? Will he successfully he, steal a second term? He will not do either. He will be successfully indicted by February. He is guilty of wire fraud, mail fraud, tax evasion. He is guilty of campaign uh, contribution uh, violation. He is guilty of all of that. And he's a traitor. And I know traitor is a situation where when you are at war. But he is a traitor to the United States of America. He let me ask you a question. Let, let me ask you a question again. He is already well on his way using the Putin playbook to steal this election. So then what can um, what can we do? What can we regular people do? Because, see, I don't listen to all, all that chatter. I'm one of those people. I come out of the Vietnam era. I take what I can use and lead the rest. What? You're assuming he's going to win. I'm assuming he's going to steal it, Alpha. Nobody's going to be inaugurated because Trump is going to run to court for everything. He's going to have he he's going to want all of the mail-in ballots looked at again, and there's no precedent for it. And the court the court should not allow it because all. But he's already stacked. Is, he's already the courts. You can't rely on the courts. I'm not relying on the courts. You just said. I, I didn't say that he's going to go to the courts and the courts going to side with him. The the people he has uh, put in, nominated, and they've gotten rushed through the courts are no more qualified than the man in the moon. However, I mean, once they're in that position, they realize they have a duty to rule on settled law. Okay. And there is nothing about settled law. Well, well, settled law, law gave us George Bush, W. Bush. Oh, so, so W. They, 
So they beat on the door and banged on the door, and they 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 forced him to stop the count, and he went wrong. He lost for it. Yeah. He lost for yeah. So you know, I'll simply say it like this: It's checkmate. That's what I'm saying. It's checkmate. You can talk about all the doom and gloom you want. People like Nina Turner, she's going to stay home and keep her arms folded. Well, if, if that's the case, um, I used to think her as a, of a as a smart woman, but not, not no more. Well, Joe I mean, but, but but keep in mind, keep in mind, there are many people out there, and 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 here is where I'm troubled. There are many people out there, and I'm talking about black people who are playing partisan politics with this election. I mean, of course, an election is partisan, but the, the, the whole point is you're either choosing. It's almost like you have to choose. Of course you have to choose. Black people have always had to choose between the lesser of the evils, which is our mistake for for relying upon what happens in the White House rather than what happens in our house, in our common ground, on our common ground. And what is so, our thing? So so we're not just talking about Nina Turner with her arms folded. We're, we're, we're talking about a whole bunch of people who are t- articulating, and you know, and it's the same thing that I said on Wednesday night. Or, um, it, it, it's, it, we're infusing confusion and making it more complex. And the thing, it, the question that I'm asking is, what are we voting for? Alpha, are you still there? I'm still here, but Janice, that's not a that's not a question for now. And I say that's not a question for now, and I mean this. The election is seventy something days away. We talking like it's over, he's in. We are you you know, people are expecting him to cheat, win it. And just still be president. If that's the case, we why am I voting? If that's the case, why am I voting? And that's the that's the the, the fallacy of. What I, I see. We're doing. I, I see where you, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Um, the thing voting. is, um, we can't we can't allow. I. I I want to explain it in the sense of our reality is, black people's reality. And the reality is going into the voting booth in November 3rd is that we have to understand that elections have consequences. And in order for us to get rid of Donald Trump, the option is to vote for the Democrats. But there is something after the election. Pardon me? Where else are you going? I've said all along, vote blue no matter who. 
being like like AOC, like you try to explain AOC and the and the what do they call them the what do they call AOC and her the squad gang? the squad the squad you're saying that the squad is marching up to the 40th floor and that's where they are now to to seize power but they Democrats they came in as Democrats you vote in the Democrats. You grab them by the neck and you drag them to the left. Period. If this is not the biggest and the best time to talk about Medicare for all, imagine the hospital bills that are coming to people who've gone to the hospital. Imagine big farmers, the money that they're making for the sick people. And imagine the money that has been made on testing for this virus. This is a this is a hot corner. If you can't make the case for Medicare for all, we will never have Medicare for all. Not in our lifetime. If you can't mm-hmm. make the case of the inequality of race and the application of the inequality and how it's affected our community, just hang it up. You are not going to tap dance through this. Mm-hmm. This is your. You, you know, I've been, I've been reading. I just finished reading a couple of books on um, people who are coming out of prison who spent a long time in prison for. Uh, with sentencing that they uh, would not have received if it were yesterday. And one of the things that uh, I've been reading this along with my grandson, and one of the things that, um, that we talked about the other night about the books was can people change? Can violent offenders change? Can people who have only known criminal a criminal lifestyle, can they change? And I, I've really been inspired by some of the stories that we've been reading about. And I try to apply all of that to uh, how I think about the characters uh in 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 political life, I don't think that somebody like Mitch McConnell can change. I don't think in uh, someone because one of the things that they're steeped in is a system of reward for their corrupt and criminal behavior. So, but but I think about Kamala Harris and how she must be, given the criticism uh, against her, how she must be rethinking. I mean, you you know, when I talk to you and you rethink it and we talk again, you might have a, a, a little bit. Um, I'm hoping tomorrow to uh, have another conversation with Nina Turner, um, and I'm hoping that, she would have considered some things because I'm an elder to her that we have talked about over the last couple of weeks. 
So I think people can change, but they have to have a foundation uh, for that change, uh, to sus- a sustainability plan. And, and in order for us to change the way in which politicians see us, we can't just be talking. We have to give them examples. We have to give them options and a new way of thinking. And once that happens, we have to build the foundation for that change. And I think about that a lot around, I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about it, and we won't be able to talk about it on Wednesday because of the Alpha show on Wednesday at 10 p.m. But one of the things that we have to begin to do is to, to engage with and challenge the people who are making decisions about what we will do in our communities, right? Uh, I mean, who is talking to the board of the Boys Girls Club in San Antonio about the program, the free programs that they use our taxpayer dollars for? Who's talking to the national Center for Affordable Housing, the National Center. I really resent, and maybe I shouldn't, I resent the fact that white people have taken over the nonprofit social service organizations in the communities where black people live, determining how they form their worldview, determining Uh, their moral barometer. You understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. And uh, I would have to simply say this. Don't get caught up on what you know is right and what you you know is right and wrong. And you you just can't, you know, get caught up with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. You are not going to change that. And you trying to change it isn't you doing something. You ain't going to change it. That's okay, what it I is. See. Well, I grab see. them by the neck and drag them to the left. When they talk about far left, the things they're talking about that are far left is not far left. Medicare for all is not far left. Healthcare for the elderly and young people being on your health care plan is not far left. There are so many things that are not far left. Education, free education is not far left. The money we've just spent. Well, it, that, it, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the consequences, I think, uh, of a second Trump term is going to be um, the marginalizing and minimalization of public education. Well, well we've been struggling all this time. I'm, I'm sorry. Deal with that. Deal with that when, when he when when it happens. 
I'm telling you he's not going to win. I'm telling you that he has alienated too many logical thinking people. And if they don't see that he's lying to them, that everything, everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie, if they don't see it, then shame on us as a country and shame on us as a people. But we have a whole Congress. We have a whole Senate who knew who he was. And, he, they, knew. and they, knew that they, they knew that he would enrich them. And they knew that he would get them the judges that they wanted and the Supreme Court picks that they wanted. For that, I say, they should all be doomed. These are crimes against the, the country. And Democratic representatives should carry that along with them when they talk about bipartisan and working yeah. across the aisle. There's no, nobody over there you want to work with because you know what they are. Yeah. So why yeah. you work with them? So what would be the top five things, also that you would say that we will lose if Donald Trump has a second term? And I know you believe he's not going to have a second term. Well, it's a nightmare of my, uh, of my nights. <laughs> that's, it's, that's, that's your nightmare. You should be coming up with your five. But I'm going to tell you like this. I don't think about the five things that we will lose. I think about the first five things that we should do with the Senate and the House. We should get rid of the filibuster so we can pass a Voting Rights Act. We should get rid of the filibuster so we can start the attack on climate change. We should get rid of the filibuster so that when people want to voice their opinions against the government, we aren't sending out troops with military militarized, uh, weapon, weaponized responses. Mm-hmm. I am sick and okay. tired of us not doing, not governing, and allowing them. Barack Obama allowed them to block a progressive agenda, and it wasn't too progressive, but he allowed it to be blocked. I voted for him twice and hopes that he would change. He didn't change. Even in his second term, when there was nothing they could do to him, he didn't fulfill any of the stuff on my checklist. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have a bad taste in my mouth over that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think that our expectations, I mean, if you understand anything, it is that our expectations might be a bit over the top about what happens when we have any president and what any president is capable of doing. And remember that I have talked on these airwaves for years about the nature of the shadow government, people like the Koch Brothers, people like um, 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 what's his name, um, Mitch McConnell's wife's uh, father's shipping company, 
that they are who really runs this country, and that's where the challenge needs to be. You know, but we do have to worry about losing things like the Community Development Block Grant, programs which provide annual grants on a formula basis to states, cities, and counties to develop to develop uh, viable urban communities by providing funding for decent housing, suitable living environments, and by expanding economic opportunities, principally for low- and moderate-income persons. And it's authorized under Title I, of the Housing and Community Development Act of 1974, and enough activists have not paid attention to the potential of losing CDBG grants because those are dollars that we can, those are programs that we can challenge. Those are programs that we have some voice in, and we've not had enough voice, and we've allowed misleadership, especially black misleadership, to have too much influence on those dollars. I worry about CDBG funds. I worry about affordable housing and what's happening with the division of multifamily housing at HUD if a Donald Trump has a second term. Hey, Alpha, i got to go. But I, I I wish you a lot of uh, luck and good times coming back to TruthWorks Network with Our Common Ground. And thank you for your well, call. Well, Janice, you got to get a better you. microphone. Well, yeah, yeah, right. This is my this is my uh, speakerphone, and I only had one earbud because I can't raise my right hand up to put the other earbud in. But uh, okay. I want you all to understand one thing. This is, you know, y'all can't, y'all can't look like the, the perils of Pauline on Betty do you, you got to, you got to hear some type of. If you believe in this man is no good, and people will understand he's no good. My problem is the, the way they tell him the messaging. Because they can't message worth a damn. But people <laughs> Absolutely. Know, people in Pennsylvania know, people in Wisconsin know, and people in Michigan know. He won by 77,000 votes in those three states. They're gerrymandering. More than half a million people were disenfranchised in those states. Reverend William Barber and... The people of voting and want, wanting to protect our vote, they are on that part of it. And I don't understand why everybody's not on that part of it. And that's that's the bottom line. So y'all okay. make sure y'all just don't be afraid. Thank you, Janice. <laughs> Okay, and we'll see you Wednesday night, 10 p.m. on TruthWorks Network, a new season for the Alpha Show, and we're glad to have him back. Uh, Alpha brings some some common sense off that Wonder uh, Wonder Bread truck, um, 
and 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 for for those of you who really understand um what I mean, I mean, there are programs um, <coughs> that you see in your, excuse me, that you see in your community, and um, they are, they get funded by federal dollars, and um, I'm hoping that people understand when we say Elections have consequences, and an election is not the time to have uh, family arguments when you only have two options, two options. We didn't save ourselves. And save us from the madness. And save us from the madness. And save us from the madness. This is our common ground. Thank you for joining us tonight. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time. Stay tuned. And we do thank you for being with us tonight. I hope that uh, it has been helpful just to be the consequences of another Trump term. Uh, People in our communities, our people that depend on some meager government benefits offered to them, Social Security, COVID supplement, by the way, there's a COVID recovery program under CDBG funds. WIC, what you all call welfare. So be safe, stay strong, and we'll see you right back here at Our Common Ground next week at 10 p.m. Hope to hear you on the Alpha Show on Wednesday night at 10 p.m. on TruthWorks Network.
ever since I was little. 